0: 1 Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 13. The sacrifices and suffering of a good mother. Um, I was talking to my mom the other day, and we are talking about my grandma her mother. And man, when my grandma was alive and living at home, I could go over there right after church today and get some fried chicken and some cake and a bunch of really good homemade stuff. And my mom... I don't know how my grandmother did, but she cut a chicken up, and it didn't matter how many people were there, it's like the fee in the 5,000, because my mom's family is big, okay? There were six kids, and then grandkids were in the 30-plus, and we won't get into that, but mean she take one chicken, but my mom said, well, Grandma always liked the backbone. I don't think Grandma liked the backbone. I think that was all that was left, okay, of that chicken, and so sac- the sacrifice and the suffering godly mother. Uh, a pastor's wife, is a special call, I didn't ask permission for this, but I've got three boys, so you can guess which one it is. I don't care, I'm not naming names, but I'll pick on of there for a minute, but, you know, I, I, I was a staff for half of the 30 years I've been in ministry, when I became a pastor, you know, and this was probably one of the first Easter's as a pastor in the church that I was in, and, you know, having three boys in Easter, you know, that's the big show, you know, you got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of people that aren't normally there, and so... You know, our, our kids got their chocolate and their candy, and they get their sweet tooth, obviously, from their dad. So they had had a good breakfast of chocolate and candy for that morning before church. And So my wife is the best minister's and pastor's wife example. She's sitting up front with our kids, and I didn't find this out until later. You know, I'm sitting on the stage or whatever, you know. I may have witnessed a little bit of it, but one of our kids, I guess it had too, too much breakfast and decided they needed to return it to to the elements, so I I couldn't be remembering this wrong, but she opens her purse, and anyway, uh, the child deposited what their Easter candy to that, and we're talking about the- In the dress. In in her dress. (laughs) (laughs) We're correcting that, yeah. They were out, they barked right in there. The sacrifice and the suffering of a godly woman. There's your Mother's Day point, because you're saying how the world How in the world does that, yeah, I know I married up, okay, yeah, (laughs) job description pastor's wife, keep your cold during Easter when when your child's ralping in the front row on your dress, so, anyway, so, in life, there's suffering, we don't like to hear about it, and we want to think that we're all okay, but we're in a fallen world, and we struggle with suffering, we struggle to deal with it, we struggle to know what to do right, because we might do suffering, we might suffer for doing right. I tell most people that are Christians and are dealing with difficult situations that you know, if you do the right thing, you'll probably pay for it. I don't want to suffer. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but we cannot ignore the majority of the book that we're reading or the whole Bible because of the fall, we will suffer. If we associate it with Christ, we will suffer. And so we need to understand the question I have for you today in the title of the sermon is how are you suffering? Not what type, but what choice are you making? Because we all will suffer, and we suffer because we're in a fallen world. And that doesn't mean we focus on this, but this section of scripture is going to help us with that. So we struggle to deal with suffering, we struggle to do right when we do suffer, and regardless, life involves suffering. So how are you suffering? And what are you suffering for? And a lot of times we're suffering for the wrong things, and we're suffering in the wrong way. And we can choose to suffer forever out of the fear of whatever. I am going to be uh, in fear of this, so I will allow it to trouble me. Or we can suffer for a little while for good. Your action step today is suffer for good. And your points will spell out the word good, And so, last week, we talked about manners and that they matter, and we talked about godly manners, because the Lord's face is on those who do right, and and the last verse, is against those that do wrong. But life is about suffering, so it matters how we suffer. So let's look at verses 13 through 17. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteous sake... You will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you have, when you are slandered, those who revile you, your behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for good, doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Let's look at verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? Paul, uh, Peter has already talked about this previously, I believe in chapter 2, but when you usually do the right thing, you know you don't suffer for it. But what we need to understand, they were in that time, we are in this time, it hasn't really changed that... They're going to call evil good and good evil, and so therefore when you do good, sometimes people will think it's evil and they'll suffer We're dealing with the possibility of Roe versus Wade being overturned. And our country is so lost that they think that that's a political issue. No, it's a biblical issue on God created life. God gives and God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God is the only one who has the right to give and to take away life not us, at every stage. But we're considered evil if we're for life. doesn't matter what party, that Democratic or Republican, this is a Christian thing. But here's a perfect example, that we will suffer for doing good. We have to answer individually and as a nation for how we deal with life. And so, that's a perfect example. So you see in 13, that word harm means when they do evil to you. And then zealous means to be intensely and enthusiastically a follower. And we see a really good example of that in the Chosen series when, when one of the disciples is chosen and he's a zealot. And a zealot for the Jews was they were political in the sense of we are going to do whatever, even if it causes harm, in order to get the right to rule. Very enthusiastic to the point of scary. That's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about we need to be enthusiastic about doing what is right, about doing what is good. And the example that I gave you and what we're dealing with a society right now doesn't mean you're a zealot in the sense of hurting people or beating them up or just like, you've got to believe this. But we need to be enthusiastic and and be a zealot uh, follower of god when it comes to life whether physically or eternal he talks about so when they harm you for being enthusiastic uh, and, and not just that doesn't mean excited but intense follower uh, for doing good a life known for generosity a life for unselfish known for unselfishness a life known for kindness a life known for thoughtfulness of others a life that is fruitful, as we see in Galatians 5, and 23, the fruits of the Spirit. That's what he's talking about. We need to be intense on doing good. The good that God wants. Being zealous for what is good produces a godly life. A godly life leads to pure living and the loss of our worldly appetites. The more we eat into the fruits of the Spirit, the more we don't want the taste of the world and we realize it's emptiness. We suffer for good because we realize, let's look at the the next part of 13, you will be blessed. We we are afflicted for doing what is right, but he says we'll be blessed. And that word blessed here, we've seen as happiness and joy and praise, but here it means privilege and honor. I want you to think about that. So many times we're focused on what's going on to us, but that they're identifying that we are a follower of Christ. That's a privilege. That's an honor. We need to understand that. That's what we are blessed to be in that brotherhood and that sisterhood, the family of God, that we suffer with Christ. And so that, that's what he means here. We're blessed. And when we suffer for doing good, we need, to be, we need not be afraid or troubled because we are blessed. I'm talking about in fear or being agitated or irritated. All believers can have the same privilege by sharing in the suffering of Christ. Your, next, your first feeling a faithful Christian should not be surprised or afraid when we suffer because God blesses our suffering. He's going to give us the strength to endure it when we suffer for Christ. A lot of us are suffering for things that we need to stop or the way we're doing it that God doesn't sanction. But when you're doing the things God, and we'll get into this at the end of this section of Scripture, but when you're doing the things God wants you to do, you're in the privilege, you're you're honored to suffer with Christ. And so God blesses our suffering. We need to remember that. Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.10, we need to remember that. So how does this uh, blessing help us? Let's look at 14. But even if you should suffer for righteous sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them or be troubled. Notice this, that word fear means to be terrified. And there's a lot of times it is scary. Because people that are intense, and I'm not trying to pick on just the row versus way, but that's the thing that's happening right there. People are really intense right now. And I think it's better unless God gives you a, a, motivates you to speak truth in life, which we need to. That you just need to listen and love and show grace. But some of the things people are saying, whether we want to say it or not, it's hurtful. Because that's not how we feel. And that's not who we are. And it can be terrifying. And it can, it can trouble us. Because it goes along friend lines. And it goes along family lines. And guys, splash of cold water, we've gone from number four to number three on the top most lost nation in the world. That's not a good thing to move up on. And so what I want you to understand, our families and our friends are going to trouble us. Because when the line comes down, it's going to be like, I love you, your family. And I know we disagree. It doesn't mean you need to fight on those things. You need to speak God's truth when God, the Holy Spirit motivates you to. But this can be troubling. And this can be irritating. And this can be fearful. You believe this, so therefore I'm not going to spend time with you. You believe this, so therefore you're a horrible person. And I want us to understand these things can trouble us. These things can make us fearful of losing a, a friendship or a relationship. It can stir us up. And that's what this means. And he says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Matthew 20, 10, 28, I've, um, I've quoted this a lot. That's probably a good verse to have down. Matthew 10:28 says, and do not fear those who kill the body. We cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. We are fearing God's creation instead of the Creator. And when I say fear, fear should lead us to God, but that fear should not be, we should fear hell, eternal destruction, eternal separation from God, punishment. All these things are reality. Not good. Not designed for you. They were designed for Satan as angels. But if you choose to say no to God, your choice, that's where you go. But yet we fear creation over the creator. need to keep our focus, guys, because the devil wants you to focus on the thing that has no power. The next point: we can suffer for good when we only fear God. And I would add, not man. And I would add also Galatians 1.10 talking about, I would not be a servant of God if I still was worried of, about man. And then you go to Hebrews 13, so that when you say boldly, the Lord is my helper, what can man do to me? I have to do that to focus only fear God. And what that means is respect God. It doesn't mean that we don't respect people, but when those people go against God, you go with God. And boy, notice what he says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Why? Because you you are looking to God's authority And you are looking to be right with God we, sh- uh, we show this in our actions Look at verse 15 Man, 315 You might as well memorize this You might as well learn it Because we're all called to witness And this unpackages this here And I bet you at least every other Sunday I quote this verse So we need to really think about this today Three fifteen. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet deal with gentleness and respect. In your hearts, that means at your core, be holy. Honor Christ as Lord. In other words, at your core, this is what I said, is when you make decisions on anything before your feet move, your mouth moves, anything happens, you go and ask Christ, what do you want me to do? He's our shepherd. He knows best. We're sheep. We're helpless. Those of us that know Christ. And so, at your core, what drives you? And should be Christ. That He is the Lord. That we go on. Honor Him as holy. That means to be sanctified. That means showing you're submitted to Christ's control and His instruction and His guidance in your life. Christ set apart from all others as the sole object of our love our reverence, our loyalty, and obedience. If you are on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict? Not because you wear the shirts or post the post, but in your actions, in your words, in your consistency, does it look like people could tell, if you use no words, that you are Christ. That's what he's talking about. This. So notice, there's a lot of people that want to evangelize And tell people how to get right, or to get right, but they're not in their lives showing Christ. And it means being perfect, but at their core, Christ is Lord. So notice he puts that first, because if you don't have that right, God's Word won't come back void. You may not be a Christian, you may not be right with God, but His Word won't come back void. It sure is a lot better if it's in your core, and in your actions. Not perfection, but it shows who you are. So he says, get get yourself right, is the translation there. And notice this, always being, always being prepared, dedicated, uh, to to make a defense. And that word is apology. And that's where we get the word apologetics. And obviously we've changed that word. It's not about saying sorry, but it's defending the, the faith. And so... When you see a, that we have an apologetics Bible, or when you see somebody talking about apologetics, it's how to defend the faith and how to. And I'm so thankful for those men and women that are way smarter than me that are able to defend the faith, to have these conversations with people that aren't accepting. And I've told a lot of you to pray for me, but it's just kind of scary because I can think of five or six people that God has put in my life recently that they make my head hurt. And they make my head hurt because they don't just accept the scripture. They really don't. And they want to talk about it. And I'm like, who am I? Because I consider myself meat and potatoes. I'm not fancy on what I do. But obviously God wants to use that to have a conversation. And Isaiah 1 18 says, come let us reason together. And that's apologetics. Always be ready. That means in the Holy Spirit you need to listen. You need to listen when God, people are people are broken and they're going to talk about their brokenness and it's going to get to God one way or another over time in the conversation. And you need to be ready. We need to be dedicated to being ready. We'll get into that in a minute. This is why we talk about, it. you need to have your, your testimony down. What, what, how, what was your life before God? How you came to God? And what is God doing in your life now? You need to know and understand the gospel clearly and and this is the simplicity of the gospel and you need to listen and you need to be ready for this we get ready for about everything else we'll lay our clothes out we'll 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 prep and none of that's bad we'll have our food and everything ready the only reason we're still here and yet we're not prepared didn't say perfect didn't say you do it how the pastor does it. we need to be ready to give a reason and we'll get into that. So always continually to anyone who asks. So you don't have to hit them over the head. But I keep telling you, I'm mostly in my own world. And I've had to wake up to the Holy Spirit better on the fact all the time, God, I I mean, I'm trying not to I say this all the time, but I'm not exaggerating. I'll just be out there not talking to anybody. You don't know who I am. I'm just out here, you know, just chilling out or whatever, and then suddenly they start talking to me. Why? Because us as Christians have the Holy Spirit. I personally believe you're not going to find that this is uh, biblical, but we got that glow. That's not the fact I'm going around smiling and all this kind of stuff, but people have a hole in their <laughs> soul that only God can fill, and you have the Holy Spirit inside you. And I really believe they can see that. And God draws people. And we need to listen. And so we we see this here, that you know, always, continually, to anyone who asks. And so that ask could be like, what do you think about this? Or What do you think about this plague? What do you, you know, all these things that the lost are worried about and that we worry about, but hopefully you have that biblical worldview that God creates a calm. But when they ask and they're searching, we need to listen and we need to be ready to what? To give a reason, to give an account. And that means a message for the hope. And that means our hope of anticipating escaping hell and, and gaining heaven, that is our hope. Hope is the focus of our apologetic argument, our main reason, our hope in Christ. So when we're defending the faith, we're getting to our hope. This is why I'm concerned about you, and this is why I'm at peace at least, you know, most of the time, is because I hope, I know that this world is not all there is, and my hope is in heaven. My hope is in Christ. And that's what you're sharing. You're sharing hope, the only hope, Jesus Christ. If Christ is at the the heart of the believer, then the believer has a grateful hope, the hope of salvation, a living hope. We have a devotion to Christ. You need to be ready to defend your faith, and be careful on that. At least two times in my ministry, all the time, you know, people, some, especially, I guess it was with youth, and this happened the other day too, and it's like, you know, somebody's doing something bad, and they know I'm a minister, and they're like, and then almost these are little words, sick them. You know, sick them, pastor. No, I'm not going to do that. But so many times, that's how we look at defending faith. I remember being in a restaurant, and like, somebody's kid in the church was acting up, and they're like, hey, get close to the pastor and start acting right, or he'll disintegrate in his circle of holiness. You know, that's kind of how I felt. That's how I translated that. Wow! I want you to understand this. We need to vote it to defending the faith. God's big enough to handle it on his own. His word will not come back, come back void. But so many times we pick the issue. God may choose the issue to get the person to God. But we need to be careful. Notice what it says when asked. And, and, and you know, a lot of times you, you don't have to wait to be asked. Because if you listen, they will give you an opportunity. I don't mean like a salesman that's waiting for a person to pause and then you're going to do that. Go by the Holy Spirit. Defend the faith. And so, so we don't have to sick people. Set your heart on Christ and the great hope he gives, ready to give an answer and defend our hope. No believer is exempt from making Christ known. We should know, we should be quick to explain, and here's what you need to explain. Why is Christ so precious to you? Why is Christ so valuable to you? Why are you sitting in church today instead of just starting the Mother's Day events earlier? Why? It's one of the biggest reasons I got into youth ministry. That's the biggest reason I got into ministry is I felt, and we've had great people before and after, I felt nobody was explaining the whys. Obviously, they have been because somebody explained it to me. But that is the hope that you're sharing. I want you, that's some homework this week is to get it down. Why is Christ, why does Christ matter to you? Why is Christ important to you? You need to make that list. You need to think about it. You need to be prepared to give a reason. For why is this hope better than the hope of my bank account, the hope of my good health, the hope of of, of, of right relationships? Why is Christ greater than anything else in my life? When we focus on the living hope of Christ, it enables us to endure suffering, meaning we can trust in Christ alone regardless. We need to be comfortable and prepared to tell our story and to tell his story. Your story is, this is my life before Christ. This is how I came to Christ. This is what Christ is doing in my life now. But his story is the fact that Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried for our sins. And Christ rose again on the third days in accordance to scripture for our sins. That's that we'll find that in the first Corinthians fifteen verses three and four. But then we get comfortable that if we get that story wrong that Christ is fully God and He's fully man, that Christ is sinless and that he died for us, that he rose from the dead, we need to get that down. We need to get that right. You tell your story how you came to Christ, but if you didn't come through the one way of Christ and salvation, you might think about your salvation. See what I mean? Tell your story and tell his story. Tell how you came to Christ, where you were before that, what Christ is doing now, and then give the gospel. We need to understand that clearly. Your next film, we can suffer for good because we are on a mission of hope. Our hope is our defense. They're saying, why are you stuck here doing this? Why don't you do this way? Why? Because I believe Jesus Christ is God. I believe he created this world. I believe he created us for a relationship with him. I believe we chose to go away from him and he loved us so much that he sent his son to take our punishment and to die to be buried to rise from the dead so that I can choose hope. And so this world has nothing for me. My hope is in him because he is God and he has saved me and he loves me more valuable than anything else. We're on a mission of hope. And our hope is our defense on the why. Why are, you so, why are you so adamant on the fact of unborn? Because my hope is in Christ and He's about life. See what I'm saying? One example. But this is this, that there is a way we share this hope. See, this is where we get it wrong. Last part of 15. This is where the people said, sicken pastor, or the fact, bring that child into the pastor's inner circle of holiness so that they will be cleansed or be disintegrated, you know, whatever, (laughs) you know, (laughs) yet with gentleness and peace, I'm going to tell them where they're wrong, and I'm going to put my finger in their brokenness. Really? Is that how it happened to you? Aren't you thankful for those people that were gracious to you, that were loving to you, that spoke the truth and it hurt, but they did it in a loving way, and you accepted it? But we need to do it with gentleness, do it with gentleness, with reverence to God, respect for God, and respect for people. Because our relationship, according to Mark 12, 30 and 31, is with God and with man. And so many times we're so hung up on respecting God, we, res- we forget to respect his creation. And this is hard. We need to tell the truth. When God leads us to, we need to deliver the mail. We don't have to twist our arms. We don't have to fill quotas. We deliver the mail. And we love that person. And we pray for that person. And if they want to go further, we continue to go further. And if they don't, we dust our feet and we go on. But we need to respect each person human being that we see that they are a broken fallen creation of God that God sent his son to redeem so we need to be gentle and we need to show respect Colossians 4 6 says this let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person so we show grace but what, what does salt do Okay, the fact that salt will we'll be eating something, it's like, man, this is just really, I'm just not tasting anything, you know? And you put that salt on there, and emerald degassi, bam, you know, that's going way back. You, know, you put that salt in there, and suddenly it draws out that flavor. Where to be salt in life? The they taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in? Psalms 34 tells us that. See what I mean? Some of us are like, oh, I'm going to be gracious. But I'm not going to salt the relationship and the conversation with God's truth. And so all they see is blandness. All they taste is blandness in you. And Jesus said, you know, if we're, if we're not salt, and salt that has no taste or brings out the conversations of God, basically is good for nothing. I really feel in the American church that's where we're failing today is, oh, I'm going to be gracious. I don't think you're being gracious. I think you're patting your back on the way to hell. Because there's a point in the conversation and the time in your life where you need to salt it with the gospel. You need to salt it with your hope. Most of us like, oh, I feel sorry for them. You I know, mean, man, i say it that way, but I'm just waving it. Because they're walking the wrong way. Our speech needs to be seasoned with salt. And boy, I have to pray this last part of Colossians 4, 6, a lot so that you may know how you ought to answer each person i'm telling you right now i'm getting some hard conversations or i know some hard conversations are going to come up and you know what it's like god placed me there so i know he's going to give me the words to say not because i'm in seminary because been to seminary and all that stuff because i have the holy spirit in me just like you have the holy spirit if you know christ and he will give you the words to say and he says that the boy That last part of Colossians 4, 6, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Because here's what's happened with the lost. They're not starting with, hey, how can I know Jesus is hope? No, they're starting with, why do you believe this certain section? You're horrible. Okay. Go to your hope. Well, I believe Jesus is the creator, savior, and I respect him more than man. I love man, and I have to go with Christ. And this is what he says. You better go to the Word People love Jesus until they actually Read what he said If you read the parables He's always ending with judgment and punishment If you don't choose Christ but we just like the front part So anyway Do it with gentleness with some respect So that you may know how you ought like to answer Tell why Christ is so precious to us Don't miss an opportunity Be ready, be prepared to give an answer This is why I keep pushing This is why I'm going to help you however it is that you're able to share your faith. And guess what? If you can't answer a question, say, I don't know. I'll find out. I'll pray about it. Okay. The result of suffering for good produces more good. Look at verse 16. Having a a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So having that word good means honorable. And the conscience means to know what is morally good and what is morally bad. Um, They kind of use the examples. The conscience is like a skylight. A skylight just shines the light through, and it just shows you the good and the bad. Doesn't tell you what to do. It differentiates, you know, between light and dark. And so it is a mechanism. It is a God. Whether somebody is lost or or saved, God has put a conscience in them. Now whether they recognize Christ. To guide their conscience is another another question. Because look at the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments bless any society. And most societies follow the Ten Commandments. They don't say we're following the Ten Commandments, but most societies have a law against murder, have a law against stealing, all those things. And so we need to understand this, that um, we all have a conscience. And the reason God put the conscience in there is that we, with with us, with the gospel, say that God created the conscience, and this is what, according to his word, is morally good and morally bad. Hopefully, they will connect, and it will lead them to Christ. We're talking about a good conscience. So, So notice, he's saying, have a good conscience, for when people speak slander, evil against you, and when they revile you falsely accuse you threaten you insult you mistreat you your good behavior your manner of life in Christ will put them to shame and dishonor them suffering for good produces a good conscience and God with God and man and it is our witness and it is our hope now again, Good people, godly people, have suffered and still been considered horrible and have died and been imprisoned and slandered for all those things. And boy, I think we're looking towards that, and it's already been happening. If you can put your head on your pillow. And so, therefore, I take that seriously for a church and as an individual. i talked about this before. I'm not going to hand people ammo to say, oh, there's another. You know, there's another Christian. There's another pastor. And they still may say that because of holding to God's truth. But in my actions and my words, I want to keep short accounts. I want to keep a clear conscience because it's our witness. And we need a desire to do what is right in all things, according to Hebrews 13.8. Your next villain. If we're going to suffer for good, we need to determine to have a good conscience. We need to keep short accounts. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And most of the time, I've been blessed that I can hide my passive aggressiveness, and I'll go to somebody because God lays in my heart that I know I was being mean, or I know I was being snarly, however you want to put that, but they didn't get it. Okay, because I guess I got this molasses that covers it up. I don't know. And I'll go over there and I'll say, hey, forgive me. I was wrong. They're like, what? I don't care if they got it or not. I know where my core was. I know where my heart is. And and that is part of our witness. And we need to determine at night, did I add a brick in the wall of my relationship with God or did I take a brick out and get closer to God? We confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look at 17 gives a reason. Because for it is better to suffer for doing good if you should be God's, if it should be God's will than for doing evil. That is the summary point of this whole section. It is excellent. It is the best that if you are going to suffer, then you don't suffer because you messed up suffer because you're following Christ and again, if you're like, well, I'm going to go suffer, I'm going to go and we're like, e, or, I'm going to go suffer, you know no, just follow God just follow Christ and when and if you suffer for that 1 Corinthians 2 2, for I decide to concentrate only on Christ Jesus and his death on the cross look at his example uh, Hebrews 12, 1, 1 and 2 so, uh, so we're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses Looking unto Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look at that. Focus on that. Not the sufferer. Man, Pastor, Peter talks about suffering a lot. You think he's trying to get a point across? You think we're walking into this? You need to determine that with God and with man, I'm going to have a clear conscience. This is because it's the best, it's the better thing. It's good to suffer when you're suffering for God's will. Mother's Day, you know, a lot of good mothers have suffered and sacrificed for the good of a sermon. Thank you, Heather, you know, let, take, let your dress take the heat on that one, but, <laughs> that sermon. But a lot of good mothers, and you look back at those that have been become good individuals, they suffered, they sacrificed, they ate the backbone of the chicken while everybody else ate the good piece. But you know what? It's not just mothers. Life is suffering. The question I have for you today—I'm not doubting anybody. We're all suffering one way or another. How are you suffering today? This season, I need to ask you a question as we review this for a minute. Are you suffering the blessed life? Be blessed. Know that if you suffer, you are part of. Uh, uh, you are privileged and honored to be a part of Christ. Are you fearless? in your suffering. Who are you fearing? They're gonna be mad at me. They're gonna be upset with me. Or well done, good and faithful servant. Are you suffering in hope? Everybody here that knows Christ is on a mission and you need to get down this may be your homework this week. Why christ? Why does he matter to you? Why is he so precious to you? And as you look at that, you may be like wow I put Christ here and this is above him. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first king of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You may need to get that right today. And how are you sharing your hope? Are you prepared? Are you listening? Because that's the only reason we're still here. And then how's your conscience? Are you keeping short accounts? You may need to lay something down here at the altar today. You may need to recommit. How are you need to do in your commitment in your today, do that. As we stand on our feet and we have a time of invitation. How are you suffering? And the only way to suffer is to suffer for good. Lord, I thank you for, t- for today. Holy Spirit, we know that you're here, and we ask that you help us to be obedient. In your name, Jesus. Amen.